Did I say planker Yeah. Exactly. All right, I'm going to do that again after I burp. Excuse me. <laughs> That's a mouthful. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Finding the Theater. My junior year in high school, a new year, a new school. I was firmly established as a band kid, but this year I also joined the choir and... I discovered the theater. Theater One with Mr. Kenny. I loved this class. We mostly played improvisational games. Games we called freeze tag, when two actors would start a scene. Something simple like shopping for groceries. And someone would yell, freeze! The actors would freeze, and that someone would then take one of the actors' place and begin a new scene. Or we would build a scene, starting with one actor, adding one actor at a time, with the fifth actor coming in to end the scene. I enjoyed playing the simple game of entrance and exit. One actor would enter as a character, another would exit. A continuous line of entrances and exits. I liked that one because it was fast and you could play with all kinds of different characters. My favorite character for that game was a gorilla. Mr. Kenny would often end the class with a story lineup. He would line us all up along the front of the stage. The first person in the row would start a story. Once upon a time, Jim and Susan were walking home from school. Mr. Kenny would then say next, and the next person would continue the story. As Jim and Susan were walking home, they discovered that they had become terribly lost. Jim began to shout aloud for help. Next. Then two men jumped out of a van and shot them in the head. Next. And they became zombies as Jim and Susan roamed the city looking for brains to eat the rest of the family. Next. Went on vacation to Paris. Next. But the plane carrying the family crashed into the ocean, killing all who were aboard. Next, leaving the family dog alone forever. Next, so Rover, the family dog, went to find Jim and Susan, only to be abducted by aliens. Next, while on board the alien ship, Rover learns to talk. And next... Han Solo steals the alien ship after losing the Millennium Falcon in... Next. Someone always throws in a random pop culture reference. Next. Meanwhile, not all were killed in the plane on the way to Paris. Jim and Susan's little sister Penny survived and was rescued by... Next. Han Solo and her now-talking dog Rover, who... Next accidentally crashed the alien ship to Earth, killing everyone. Next, in the state of Michigan. Next, then Susan woke up from the nightmare and went to school and lived happily ever after. The end. Oh my goodness.
goodness. The stories were always so terribly dark. Murder, kidnapping, plane crashes, bear attacks. I often tried to redeem the story somehow, but unless I ended the stories, it would end up in death and destruction. I've played this game many times with many different groups of people, and it never fails. Someone is always tragically killed. Even when I've played it with elementary school children, I guess everyone loves a tragedy. Not me, though. Sunshine and rainbows, please. My new favorite class, theater. I even tried an improv competition. Who knew there was such a thing? My memory from this competition was doing a scene inside a tuna fish can. Nerve-wracking, but a lot of fun. My friend, Peppy Joe. Peppy Joe, isn't that a great name? Peppy Joe tried out for a play. That was new. A play. It was a melodrama. Dora the Beautiful Dishwasher, or The Heroine Who Cleaned Up. What fun! Peppy Joe even got the part as Dora. I'm going to have to try this play thing. Dora the Beautiful Dishwasher was the last play of the year, so the next opportunity to be in a play would be the next year. My senior year, the first play of the year was the musical. This year's musical, Kiss Me Kate, a Cole Porter musical, a show within the show. A company of actors putting on Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew and the conflict on and off stage between Fred Graham, the show's director, producer, and star, and his leading lady, his ex-wife, Lily Vanessi, who plays Kate, the shrew, and a secondary romance concerning Lois Lane, the actress playing Bianca, Kate's sister, and Lois Lane's gambler boyfriend, Bill, who gets in trouble with some gangsters. A musical. That could be fun. I can sing. Sort of. I had been in musicals with my church before. I'm going to do this. What have I got to lose? Audition day arrives. I was terrified. I had never auditioned for a musical. I can do this. Sing a song. Read some lines. I can do this. I hope I make it. I hope I get a part. I would really like to get a part. What part do I want? I would like to be Kate, of course, the lead. That's crazy. Maybe Bianca, the secondary lead. That's crazy, too. I don't know. There are lots of other parts. I could be the maid. I'm not much of a dancer, so I'm probably not going to be one of the dancers. Oh, my gosh. I just want to make it. I'll be happy to be in the ensemble, but I would like a part. I'll find out tomorrow. Wait. Callbacks. What are these callbacks you speak of? You mean I have to do this again? This special kind of theater torture where they put your name on a list and say maybe you get this part or maybe you don't. We just want to check a thing or two. We are probably going to give the part to the other person on the list, but maybe not. Maybe we will give it to you. Maybe. The next day, the callback list goes up and... There it is. That's my name, right there. That is my name, right? Right there, that's my name. My name, right there, listed under the callback for Kate. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what? Could it be true, really? I got a callback for Kate? Kate, the lead in Kiss Me Kate?
<gasps> Callbacks that night were actually kind of fun. I mean, I was extremely nervous, but we all were. And we all were very excited to be called back. So it was a little party. We learned part of a dance. Like I said, I'm not very good at dancing, but the dance wasn't very hard. And I am a bit of a clown when I try to dance. So I think that may have been in my favor. We sang songs and said more lines, and that was it. I'm pretty sure I was in complete despair when it was over. Sure that I had done terribly. I can't dance. I'm not that great of a singer. Sure, I can act a little, but it's a musical. Oh, I think it's worse getting a callback and not getting the part than not getting a callback at all. That whole getting your hopes up thing, because I didn't think I had a chance at getting a part, and then I got a call back, which said, hey, you do have a chance at getting a part. But then when you don't get it, you don't say, well, at least I had a chance. No, it's more like, I was close, but I didn't get it. I'm pretty sure I went to bed in tears, dreading going to school the next day and not seeing my name on the list. I rehearsed in my head not seeing my name on the list. Oh, look, there's the list. No, my name's not there. That's okay. No big deal. I'm fine. That's all right. Fine. That's good. I'm fine. The next day, before I even got a chance to look at the list, people were congratulating me. What? Did I get the part? I was going to wait until my third hour class when I had theater to look at the list, but... Not now. I had to go now. That would make me late for my first hour, but I had to see it for myself. There it was. My name. Next to Lily Vanessi slash Kate. This is real. My first play. And I'm the lead. I'm Kate. In Kiss Me Kate. Oh, crap. My first line was, you bastard. Oh, can I say that? My mom and dad are going to be there. People from my church will be there. People from the church that my dad is the pastor of will be there. My Sunday school teacher will be there. I could say, you jerk. That doesn't pack the same punch, does it? Later in the play, I say, Lucentio, thou meacock wretch. That could be a bad thing to say, too. I just don't know if it is or not. But I'm an actress now. I'm going to have to embrace it. Bastard and meacock wretch it is. I never had to memorize that much stuff in my life. There were moments in rehearsal where I would be completely blank on what came next. But it always seemed to come to me when the time came. The acting and singing and even the dancing was so much fun. I loved playing this character, Kate the Shrew. I got to scream and throw things. I sang a song called I Hate Men. What fun! Then there was this strange thing as the onstage kiss. It was called Kiss Me Kate, after all. Now, I must admit... I had kissed a boy before, so that was not totally new, but kissing a boy I didn't particularly like on stage in front of everyone and my dad, that was completely different. But once again, 
I was an actress, so kiss away. One of the very best parts of being in a production is the camaraderie of the cast. Backstage shenanigans bring on all kinds of laughter. Of course, it's laughter that you have to keep quiet so you don't get scolded by the director, which only brings on more laughter. Downtime is spent talking and laughing and making new friends. I soaked up all of the rest of the theater opportunities I could that last year of high school. We did a play called Spoon River Anthology, a collection of poems containing crisscross references, weaving loosely together a picture of the lives and community of the town of Spoon River. I enjoyed the challenge of this play. Each poem was a different person and personality, and again the camaraderie of the cast was lots of fun, this time with a much smaller cast. The last production was a collection of three one-act plays. I was in The Final Dress Rehearsal, a one-act play of The Final Dress Rehearsal of Cinderella. I played the director, in which I tried to do my best impersonation of Mr. Kenny, hopefully a fitting homage to the teacher who believed in me as an actor and gave me the push and confidence I needed to try this crazy theater thing. Thank you, Mr. Kenny, wherever you are. So today I'm going to reveal to everyone that I have not kept in contact with any of my high school friends. So we've invited our friend Paul, who went to high school, I did. to come and chat with us. So welcome, Paul. Thank, Thank you, you for it's great being to be here. here. Since this is about theater, mm-hmm. you were kind of a high school theater guy, right? I was. Uh, not by design. I stumbled into it, fell in love with it. Yeah. What brought you to that world? My junior year in January, the school musical was happening, and my best friend was involved. And he came to me and said, would you consider helping out backstage? I said, why would I want to do that? <laughs> and he said, well, it's easy and there's cute girls. So I was interested right away. Sure. That was January. So in February, we did the musical and it was Kiss Me Kate. Is that right? That's right. I'll be darned. And I had a couple buddies that were in it who were choir guys, and more choir than theater, but okay. they crossed were you, for the musical. Were you in choir in high school? I was in, I was in uh, radio and TV class. Okay. That was it. And so I worked backstage. I really enjoyed it. And thought, well, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I would be willing to do that again. And it was more than just the cute girls. I, mean, I really, it was fun. Yeah. The next month, me and my best friend and a couple other guys went on spring break and went down to Lake of the Ozarks. There was a resort down there called Tantara. And they had a small little repertory theater there. And they were doing a production that night. And we didn't have anything to do. So we went over there and saw a production of Man of La Mancha. Okay. Which I'd never seen before. And I was enthralled. And I walked out of there just inspired. And I remember thinking, if I could be involved in something that helps make other people like feel like I feel right now, I would love to do that. The cute girls were a bonus. Yeah, always good. All right. That was nice. But it shifted to something much deeper at that point. Sure. Much more significant to me. So when I got back to school, I went to the high school theater director and said, look, I, I know you've got a repertory season coming up. We have three different shows. Do you need any help backstage? And he looked at me and he said, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, always need help. Always. Backstage. So I ran lights for all three shows. Okay. By the end of April, I had four shows under my belt. And he said, you know, you ought to do two things if, you en- if you're enjoying this. First, you should audition for a uh, production I'm doing this summer at an outdoor theater. So he wanted you to be on stage he now. Wanted so you'd been behind the right. scenes. Right. I'd never time. been on stage, but he wanted me to get that experience as well. Okay. And he said, I, w- and I want you to audition for my repertory theater class for your senior year. And I said, okay, because I didn't really have a niche in high school. Sure. So I did a production of Annie Get Your Gun. And I had like five different chorus roles. Okay. Had a ball. Had so much fun. I had made repertory theater my senior year, and we did six shows that year. Wow. I was in all six. That's a lot of shows. And I was the company manager for one of two company managers for the repertory theater. So I was all in. So in a period of 12, 14 months, I had 11 shows or so. Wow. So that was how I got involved. I just jumped in my junior year Mm -hmm. to the deep end of the pool it really led into a season of my life where every summer I would do something at that same outdoor park. Same group of buddies. Mm-hmm. Depending on the show, some of us, there would be a role that would fit, usually a small role. Yeah. But we didn't care. And then the rest of the group would work backstage. We just kind of rotated through. That's what's great about theater, right? Because you just create a camaraderie with each other. That, that sense of community, I think, in hindsight is... It was my first real sense of that. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of lessons I learned. I, I joke sometimes the two classes that I use every day at work, every day, middle school typing class and high school theater. Really? That's yeah. interesting. People think, oh, theater, what do you do? Sing and dance down the hall at work? No, 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 no. no. First of all, because I don't really sing much and I certainly don't dance. I was always <laughs> the small character role. But the, the intangibles that I use at work that people don't think about, uh, how to talk to people, how to m- make eye contact without burning a hole in the back of their skull, yeah, how to read people, body language, or am I connecting with this person or not, which in my work really is a helpful thing. I do a lot of presentations. Sure. I do some training. I work in an office. And so those basic communication skills, how to understand what somebody is saying without them necessarily using words, mm-hmm. posture. You know, how to position myself, how to project. Those are basic things that I use all the time that I learned in theater. Yeah. That's kind of when you talk about the lessons that you learn in theater. In my theater class, we did a lot of improv. You know, some people are just amazing, immediate storytellers. They're Mm -hmm. just great in a crowd. And I've just never been that way. And so, you know, you get this improv class and you immediately have to be quick on your feet with these classes, you know, they kind of give you a little Well, they, they do. It's uh, In one sense, it's like playing a game, a board game or even a game of basketball in the driveway with somebody who's good. Yeah. It forces you to be a little bit better than you would have been compared to that person who's really good at that. Yes. You're not going to ever be good. But if you get around people who don't have that background, a lot of my old job when I was, a, I spent 10 years as a paramedic here in the county. Firefighters and paramedics don't typically have a lot of theatrical background. Okay? <laughs> well, they thought I was the funniest guy in the world because okay. I was pretty quick. Yeah. But compared to most of my friends who were gifted in that area, I was, eh, you know. Oh, yeah. One of the other lessons from theater for me professionally mm-hmm. is the understanding that it is the teamwork aspect of it. The co- I learned how to cooperate with other people. I learned how to get along with people that I didn't necessarily like a whole lot, but you know what? We need to figure this out. Right. 
learning to uh, stuff like working together as a as a group, uh, getting through challenges. Those are all things that I learned the basics of in theater. I didn't realize it at the time. Right. I wasn't aware that I was learning those skill sets until later. Sure. But I did. I think that we, you know, when we think about school, so often we think there's so much value. You got to do the math, you got to do reading, you got to do writing. But I mean, the teamwork you have in theater and in in all of the arts, in theater and choir and band, that your individual skill combined with somebody else's individual skill as a group makes something beautiful. I guess there's some jobs where you can work on your own in a cubicle forever and not have much human interaction. But I don't know that there's many of them. Not too many. No. And those skill sets that I learned bring value to not just the group I'm working with, but recognizing the other people and their inherent value and the gifts they bring. People pick up on that, I think. They understand if they're appreciated and if they're seen and they're known. And that brings out their best. It's leadership stuff. Yeah, that's really good. Plus, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it's so much fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. Oh, my goodness gracious. Especially for somebody, well, like me, when I'm pretty quiet and reserved until you give me a script or (laughs) you put me on the stage, and then I'm just not, which is sort of silly. but. But You're right. I remember when I did my first show in high school, and I played a very flamboyant uh, preacher. (laughs) And he was not a very good guy, but he was very loud. And I walked in after opening night, and my English teacher looked at me and said, Who are you? (laughs) Believe it or not, I was pretty quiet in high school. Pretty reserved. But this character was not. And my director worked with me a lot to get that side out, because it didn't come naturally. But once I was there, I was was there. And when my English teacher said that, I looked at her and said, What? She goes, I had no idea that was inside of you. So much like you... It is an avenue to let out that person that normally doesn't scream for attention. Right. Yeah. And I'm comfortable not screaming for attention. I'm okay in the background. Yeah. But sometimes it's a lot of fun to get up there and do that. That's exactly right. So um, favorite show you were in? Hmm. Boy. Kind of like saying, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> I did a production of Arsenic and Old Lace in oh, high school. Oh, that is hilarious that you just said that. because. Really? That is my favorite show I've oh, ever really? been in. <laughs> well, I was Jonathan Brewster. I was this psychotic yeah. killer in that. And what was interesting about that is the first performance or two, we did like eight to ten of them. We did four shows in a month, and I was having a hard time with the role. And for whatever because reason... Because you're not a psychotic killer? Well, yeah, I guess so. But I just I couldn't really capture the character. Hmm. He was supposed to be scary and funny, and I was more just kind of scary. And I, to this day, I don't know what happened. But after opening night, the second performance, something clicked. And my director walked up at intermission and said, I don't know what happened, but keep doing it. And you said, okay. And I said, okay. And I was, I was funny and I was scary. But the magical part of that is my best friends from high school were all on that show with me. Really? And it was a scream. So I think from, from the perspective of... The, the connections I had in the cast, uh, I would choose that one. And then I did a production of Matilda a year ago Okay. at that outdoor theater. And I was really honored to be in that cast because there was a significant amount of real talent. Really? And it was one of the few that I've done where there was virtually no drama. 
Wow. Egos were all in check. Because inevitably in a cast of 40 people, 30 people, you'll get somebody that might be a little challenging with their personality. There was virtually none of that. That's great. So more recently, that would be a, a real favorite. I, I loved being involved in that show. That's what fun. about you? Well, like you said, um, Arsenic Old Lace, that was definitely my it's favorite. It's, it's so much fun. Just because it's such a fun show. I was one of the old ladies. I was Abby. Okay. That was just fun. And and because it's a smaller cast and you work so closely with each other, you do get really close to each other. And it was fun. And it was in college. We did. I did this production in college. It's a very physical show, too. So yes. you're in each other's face and you're moving around. You're you know, carrying people around and uh, it's, it's a, it's a tremendously fun production. Yeah. It's just so much fun. I really would love a chance to do another production of Arsenic and be Jonathan again. Oh, that That would would be be a lot of fun. fun. It'd be even more meaningful if the cast were full of fun people too. Yeah. It's hard to do that show and not be a fun person. Yeah. It just lends itself to it. Right. That would be fun. I'd like for my kids to see the, the movie with Cary Grant. The problem is it's black and white and, they have. They, they seem to have this mind block with something that's not in color. In fact, if it's before 2000, it's old, and yeah. I have to convince them to watch it. So, uh, speaking of your daughters, recently you were you were able to be in a production with your youngest, Kendall. Is that right? I did a production of uh, the Little Mermaid with her. And the, the, the Reader's Digest condensed version of that story is I was at the director's house. And uh, he's from New York originally, and he still has a little bit of his accent. He goes, well, you know, I'm doing a production next summer. You ought to think about maybe doing Little Mermaid with me. And I said, well, Mark, you know, I'm really, I'm really busy, and I've got a family, and I don't want to spend time away from them. Well, now, your youngest is Kendall, right? And I went, yeah. She likes, she wants to do theater, doesn't she, huh? She does. Well, what if, what if you both auditioned? I said, Mark, I, I, that's asking a lot. But if you are looking for two people who would be committed to doing anything you want, I mean, if I could do a show with my daughter, you could put me up there as a rock <laughs> or a piece of seaweed, or it doesn't matter. I'll be backstage. I don't care. I don't have an ego with that. And he said, okay, well, why don't you both audition? So I did a production of Little Mermaid with my daughter, in fact, I got to be next to her on stage uh, at least once, and that was that was a blast. That's fun. Matilda, he, I got cast via. This sounds awful, but via text. That uh, does sound awful. Auditions were done, and I left the office to go to Office Max to grab some some stuff I needed. He texts me and says, "Hey, I'm in a jam. I don't have anybody for this role." No, I think you really need to do it in his voice. <laughs> hey, Paul. Um, <laughs> I'm in a jam. I don't have anybody for this part in Matilda. It's a small role. It's the very end of the show. You don't have to come to all the rehearsals, but I need somebody to play a Russian gangster, and he needs to be big and intimidating. <laughs> and, and so I responded back. I said, let me check with my wife. And so I screenshot it, sent it to my wife, and she came back very graciously, and she said, well, if you don't have to be there all summer, you should consider doing it. So uh, I went back to him, and I said, Okay. And he came back and said, great. That's great. That's great. I'll see you in June. And so that's what we did. That's fun. One last thing. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in a show? Oh, my goodness. Uh, The funniest thing. 
uh, when I was in that production in which I was a preacher, I took a swig of moonshine and somebody actually put liquor in it. <laughs> and uh, I, I was not a drinker, so it threw me off. Everybody but me th- and the director thought it was really funny. Okay, I thought it was funny in hindsight. I'm still still talk to the guy. He's still a friend. Right. So that was one of the first things. But I, I guess I ate a June bug once. I was in a production of Chorus Line at Theater in the Park. Again, not funny, but everybody else thought it was pretty funny because right. it flew right into my mouth and I just swallowed it. Uh, the show must go on. Yeah, not very funny, I guess, but it sure was at the time. And sure. The thing is, I'm going to leave and I'm going to think of other funny stuff because there's been plenty of it, but yeah, just little stuff like that. Yeah, well, the next time I see you, I'm going to tell you my dream role. <laughs> okay, and I'll think of the funniest thing. There we go. But, no, but nobody else will get to know. That's all. Okay, that's fine. We won't tell anybody. It'll be a secret. It'll be a little secret. secret. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks a lot, Paul. My pleasure. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username on Carlson Drive. Please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Join us next week for a new episode. Until then, thank you for joining us on Carlson Drive.